is being due. It's the third win against the top ten, and the Orange had them all the way. They didn't look into your heart. They didn't look into your heart. They didn't look into my heart. Three for the win battle. Bang! Boom! It's the Orange doing it again. The cardiac juice comes through on the road one more time. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Good afternoon, everyone. Glad to have you with us alongside Seth Goldberg. I'm Stephen Fonte. It's a Friday edition of Orange Nation. We're brought to you in part by Dunn Tire. 315-437-7644 is the number if you like to get involved. It is Friday, Seth. feels like this week has gone on for a rather long time. It does. Um, This week has taken a long time. But the weekend is here, and it's a long weekend. We've got the three-day weekend with the Memorial Day holiday, so we'll we'll be uh, taking Monday off back with you on Tuesday. Um... Yeah, I'm going to enjoy some some relaxation. I'm not, I'm not working. Oh, I don't know if, that's not big. Um, but yeah, I'm going to I'm, I'm going to relax this weekend. How about you? No, nothing major. Same thing. I've got the lacrosse show tomorrow morning. Yeah, so once I get it, past though, right? that, I got to work tonight. Channel Nine. I got the lacrosse show tomorrow morning, and then uh, relax, watch some sports. Lacrosse, and uh, if you're looking for lacrosse on the radio, I should mention this since you brought the show up. We've got the Final Four here on ESPN Radio Syracuse. We've got the the championship game Monday here on ESPN Radio Syracuse. Uh, everything on ESPN AM 1200, depending on the Mets schedule, you might be able to catch a little bit on the FM, but every lacrosse game this weekend, all three of them on the on the AM signal. And we'll certainly take in some NBA, I'm sure, over the weekend. And game one of the Stanley Cup Finals uh, set for Monday night in Las Vegas. What a story that is, by the way. We're not going to get the Crunch's yeah. parent club against Vegas. Uh, we didn't talk about this yesterday. Washington obviously advanced. But what a story that has been. And now Las Vegas gets to host Game 1 of the Stanley Cup Finals. You yeah. said you wanted to see it. I do. We're going to get to see it I on really, Monday. I really do. I really do want to see this. I, I think it is going to be fascinating. I, I think that that, uh, you know, from what I've seen of that environment, it is awesome um, to to watch that place before a game and, and they finally have their team and, the, and they make the playoffs and they make the Stanley Cup Final in year one. You know I, know, I know the easy joke when they made it to the Stanley Cup final was, oh, I'm so glad for all those long-suffering yeah. Vegas Golden Knight fans. Uh, apparently somebody fired back who like lives in Vegas and just tweeted out, yeah, we ha- we've been a city for 113 years <laughs> and didn't have a team for 112. So yes, that's we, a good are, point. we are long-suffering. That's and I was like, point. you know what? I didn't think of that. Yeah, that's fair. That's a good point. Uh, we do have a great show for you lined up today. We've got two guests, Michael Scotto from The Athletic, set to join us at 12.30. Uh, he covers the NBA for The Athletic, covers the, the Brooklyn Nets. Yep. Uh, Tyus Battle worked out for the Nets earlier this week, reportedly set to work out with the Knicks this weekend. And so we'll get his thoughts on... Tyus Battle and his draft stock. A lot of the mock drafts have Tyus, as we know, projected in the middle of the second round, early to the middle of the second round. Uh, we'll get his thoughts on, on what he thinks Tyus uh, should do slash what Tyus will do. And then coming up at 1 o'clock, former NFL quarterback Ryan Leaf will join us here in studio. Why, you ask? Well, we'll find out. But apparently he was in town last night for a speaking engagement He's using our studios here at Galaxy Communications downtown uh, for the show that uh, that he hosts for the Pac-12 Network, and uh, he wraps up at one o'clock. He's going to pop in here, and uh, we'll we'll sit down with Ryan Leaf uh, for about ten minutes or so to start hour number two. Until then, phone lines are open at three one five four three seven seventy six forty four. As we begin with this head scratching Western Conference final that that you and I can't seem to figure out, uh, we thought the Warriors would win in five. 
Uh, it's not going to be in five. If the Warriors win, it's going to be in seven because they are now down three games to two. And you look at last night's game, and it very much feels like an opportunity lost for the Golden State Warriors. James Harden 0 for 11 from three-point range. The Rockets as a team shot 37% to 44.5% for Golden State. Kevin Durant led the way with 29 points. They got balanced scoring. Doesn't How did they lose lot, this game? Doesn't it feel a lot like Game Four, where like you just don't, you're not really sure how, but they ended up losing the game. And and you know, Kevin Durant, you mentioned he led the scoring. I, I didn't think he played that well. I, I really would say, didn't. I would say this: there are similarities between games four and five. To me, five felt like a worse loss for the Warriors in terms of it felt like a game they yes. should have won. Yes. Um, the Rockets didn't play all that well. No, and they the, really didn't. And the Rockets won this game. And again, James Harden goes 0 for 11. CP3 was fantastic, got injured at the end of the game. We'll get to that in a moment. Your point about Kevin Durant, 29 points, perfect 10 for 10 from the free throw line, 8 for 22 from the field. He played well once again for the first three quarters. He has a total of one basket in the fourth quarter of the last two games. That is unacceptable. And we talked about this in coming out of Game 4, right. that if that was LeBron James passing up the potential game-tying shot, it, the, the sports world would lose their mind, collectively lose its mind. Kevin Durant gets a pass for to some degree, and I don't know if he's necessarily getting a pass after last night. I know uh, Stephen A. Smith in particular was a little hard on him on SportsCenter last night, and I think the chatter is starting... Uh, to get out there that, you know, hey, the, the finger's getting pointed at, at KD to some degree. He is a matchup problem in in any series against any opponent, against anybody who's guarding him. He can pretty much do whatever he wants when he wants. And again, last night, again, he had 29 points. He was fantastic for the first three quarters. He didn't attempt a shot in the final three minutes of game four. And, again, has a combined one basket in the fourth quarters of the last two games. That cannot happen. Two close games, they lost both of them, and their best player is disappearing in the fourth quarter. Yeah, and Steve, more so than that, doesn't it seem like any time he touched the ball last night, and, and this is going even beyond the fourth quarter, it felt like when he touched the ball last night, the ball stopped. Right? It it just... It stuck with him, and it stopped. And and that is the exact opposite of what the Golden State Warriors have done the last four years. The exact opposite of what made them so successful last year, integrating Kevin Durant into an already great lineup, right? Into an, a lineup that had already won 73 regular season games before going on to the NBA Finals and, and losing. That's what made them so good, was that they moved the ball, there's always motion, there's always back screens, there's always cuts, there's always passes— and that they're throwing an inordinately high number of passes and getting shots off those passes, and that's what's making them good. And so I I think that that's what the problem was for me last night. Like, yeah, he scored 29 points. The shooting percentage is fine, right? He shot better than 33%. shot about 35 36% from the field. All right, fine, whatever. Like, those numbers are okay, but it felt like the ball always stopped with him, whether it should or should not have, right? If you've got Kevin Durant in the post on on Chris Chris Paul, you should get him the ball and he should be able to get a shot off. But it felt like it happened too much where he got the ball and it just stuck and it became isolation basketball. And it really felt like it reverted back to Oklahoma, Oklahoma City, right? Where it's, okay, Steph's turn, Kevin Durant's turn. Russ's turn, KD's turn. Russ's turn, KD's turn. Some of it, I think, you, you have to credit the Rockets with the way that they are defending him. And I'm going to use a, a, a lacrosse analogy here. Okay. You know how that when 
you know, you're trying to stop the, the star player and he, you know, he, he dodges toward the cage that, you know, they, they say the slide comes quickly. Didn't it feel like last night, like when KD touched it, especially, you know, in the paint that the, the slide quote unquote sure. came, the, the, the double team comes or, you know, they, they shade in his direction to help out who, whoever's on him. So that is a credit to Houston that they're, they're finding an effective way to defend him. Now, to your point about moving the ball quickly, if the slide comes, the double team comes, it's it's up to that player to find the open guy. Now it's five on four. Now you find who's open, and that person makes a play. Kevin Durant had zero assists last night. Not that he's LeBron. Not that you expect him to have you know even a handful of assists, but he had zero. And when the double team comes, or the help comes, you find the open guy, you make right. the right basketball play, and Kevin Durant has had a tough time doing that, to your point. The ball stops instead of moves around. It's not getting to the open guy, by and large. And to some degree, that's a credit to the Rockets, the way that they're defending them. To some degree, you got to point the blame certainly to the Warriors. They had 16 turnovers again last night. They right. have had 16 turnovers in back-to-back games. That is too many. And in a close game, it comes down to a possession or two. They're they're wasting possessions by making bad decisions. Steve, to that point, the the Rocky the the Warriors had a better shooting percentage, had a better three point shooting percentage, had a better free throw shooting percentage. They shot the ball better. They should have won that game, right? The Rockets had an awful game shooting. They they really did. Except they, they had 16 turnovers. Except that they turned the ball over, it, it seemed like, on, on the first five plays of the game. It, it felt like they were throwing the ball away in the fourth. And and you saw that on, on the last couple of possessions where you know Draymond Green can get a rebound but instead knocks it away to try and get it to Durant. And I, I know that doesn't officially count as, as a turnover, but that that's a turnover. You know, when it was Steph, a bad decision, well, certainly. Well, yeah, and, and when Steph tries to, to pass it up ahead and, and Draymond can't catch the ball and, and just stumbles over himself... You know, and falls forward. So, it it they came at bad times. In addition to there being too many of them, right? Yeah. They they came when they got stops. They would get a stop at one end, and then they would have a careless turnover on the other. Well, we and saw, you can't take advantage of the stop. We saw back to back twenty four second violations right. late in the fourth quarter, where both teams were playing good defense. But to your point, you know the Warriors would play good defense, and they couldn't capitalize at the other end. As for Draymond Green, he made a couple of big plays down the stretch. Had the drive where he initially missed it, and then tipped it back in. Then had the big three. The last minute did not go well for Draymond Green. You look at the three possessions in that final minute where where he was, you know, involved in the play. There was the first play where he is attacking the basket. He is one on one with a full head of steam. Probably could have got to the to the tin and and had a layup to tie the game. Instead, he kicks it out for Cook, who had a wide open look. But you know, you and I talked about this before the show. He's not exactly your first or second option. He's no. you know probably your fifth option on the floor at that, or at least the fourth option on the floor. And it was an open look. Just right. didn't make it. Well, Draymond a- should have taken that all the way and, and and made the layup and tied the game. In a lineup of Steph, Clay, Kevin Durant, Draymond Green, and in Quinn Cook. Uh, that's who I want shooting. Right. Uh, and you if know, you're, I, I want I, if I'm the Rockets, I want Quinn Cook shooting even more so when I'm down five on four because CP3 is laying on right. the floor on the other end they of the court. They should have scored on that possession. And again, Draymond, full head of steam, was you know halfway to the bucket, halfway down the lane, and he kicks it out for the open look. Cook just didn't make it. I, I'd prefer that you know Draymond lays that in and ties the game. Then he had the play that you were referring to. There was a miss, and he could have corralled it, maybe even had a putback on his own. Instead, he tries to bat it out to the three-point line to Kevin Durant. It never gets to him. The Rockets get it and go back the other way. And then, of course, the final possession, which wasn't necessarily his fault, but there's six seconds left. Steph throws it ahead to him. You know, He he fumbles it, loses the ball. Rockets get it, and, and the game's over. Um, not a great final minute for Draymond no. Green. 
No, it, it really wasn't, and, and it, I don't want to say it It was, you know, a, a, the game in a nutshell, but it, it kind of felt like it, right? The offense was a little disjointed, and, you know, you saw that by Draymond passing up a layup to, to kick out to a three uh, for a player who started the year in the G League, and you know what? He's, he's had a nice year. He shot 44% from three. You know, he can knock that shot down, but at the same time, he's not who you want taking that shot. You know, and, and we saw earlier in the game, uh, Sean Livingston, just moments earlier, Sean Livingston passing up a wide-open layup to to kick it out to Steph for a, a semi-contested three. So it, it kind of felt like that series was a microcosm of the game, right? The turnovers, and I know that technically that doesn't go down in the books as, as a turnover on Draymond when he knocks it out, but it was a sloppy play and a bad decision. And then you have the turnover at the end when when you think you've got a chance to go down and get a bucket and tie the game after uh, you know a missed free throw. So... Yeah, the, there was a there was a lot going on there that that caused problems and and you know Dre, even even how about this is a as a stupid little problem Draymond G- Green gets the rebound off the missed free throw throws a pass before they can call a timeout all of a sudden you can't advance the ball right like like even that is like a small sloppy detail okay if you can advance the ball you're never trying to push it up court and pass right. it to Steph uh, pass it from Steph that to, was a to big Draymond. play I I have a hard time. <laughs> Placing blame because he was, he was just, out of bounds. He was, and, he was just trying to keep it in play. Right. Now you could say, well, why didn't he call a timeout as he was falling out of bounds? Okay, um, not everybody thinks to do that, but yes, you're right. It's a small thing, but in a small, in a close game, small things are magnified. So I absolutely understand your point. We do have to take a timeout here. Three one five four three seven seventy six forty four. Michael Scotto from the Athletic will join us at twelve thirty to talk NBA draft. The conversation on the Western Conference Finals though continues right after this on ESPN Radio. It's brought to you by Skinny Atlas Small Engine, now under new ownership, your premier LS tractor and steel dealer for sales, service, and repair. As we welcome back our producer, Max Burgandy. It's Friday, Max. Three-day weekend. Hopefully your allergies will uh, clear up over the weekend. I'm working on it. We're all hoping. I feel a little better. Good. I think I sound a little more normal. You do. More normal, not for not someone who is who has had voice issues over the course of the last uh, year Have plus. I, I can, did, uh, I, I can, uh, I can certainly relate, and I can certainly sympathize. So, no, you're doing great. Fight your way through it. Hopefully, you'll you'll feel better by Tuesday. What do you have for us today? Uh, so, remember how the NFL had that unanimous vote on the new anthem policy? Well, there was no formal vote on the new anthem policy. Apparently. Right. ESPN Seth Wickersham reported that no actual vote was taken, and the NFL indeed admitted that there was no formal vote taken. NFL spokesperson Brian McCarthy told ESPN that the league called for a show of hands to test support for the revised policy, and that that was considered a vote. At least two owners sustained, the 49ers' Jed York and the Raiders' owner Mark Davis, and at least one other owner, the Jets' CEO Christopher Johnson, is a willing apparently willing to defy the NFL's no-protest position and treat the fines like parking tickets going to bat for his players. Are we at all shocked by this? No, I, I mean, we mentioned, I, I think we mentioned this yesterday on, on the show, or maybe I'm just imagining things, but it, it seems like it was sloppily and quickly put together, right? And, and isn't that kind of what it seemed like when you first heard the initial reports of, oh, we're going to end up with a 15-yard penalty for people who kneel for the anthem, and, and then it became, now nah, we're going to find the teams, but you can't really do anything to the players. Oh, but we never talked to the players, and now it seems like they didn't even, you know, listen to the owners. So it, it's, you know, it's I, I shouldn't be shocked by this, right? I, I mean, if you didn't have this discussion fully with the owners... That this is what you get. There's a reason that people think 
Roger Goodell has too much power. And this is just another example of he just does what he wants. Yeah. And, you know, there's a reason that when we did talk about this on the show briefly, we said that, you know, it feels like the NBA has better relations between, you know, the owners and the players or, you know, the players and, you know, the powers that be. And part of the reason for that is that there there is more of an open line of communication. The players feel like their voices are heard. They're not always, you know, they don't always get what they want. They get what they want a lot. They don't always get what they want, but there is at least they feel like they're being heard. And I think that that is a major problem in the NFL, that the players feel like the commissioner and the league office are against them, that they don't feel like they can have their, their voices heard. And that's in part what has led to the protests. Obviously, you know, there's there's would, social issues yeah. involved, but there is also uh it's it's us against them and it doesn't feel like that in the NBA. It doesn't even really feel like that in Major League Baseball. They work together. Do they disagree about, you know, PED policy and whatnot in Major League of Baseball? Sure, they but they work their way through it. It feels very much like in the NFL right now, it is us against them. Wouldn't you also say there's a respect in the NBA from players to commissioner that there is not in the NFL? Yes. Like you can you can tell that it, or at least I get the feeling that you can tell that players outwardly don't respect Roger Gale. Yes, and this and my point is is that the the story that Max just related to us or relayed to us that that's a like that is a perfect example of why there there isn't respect because he just does what he wants to do. Right. Oh, we're going to do an informal poll. Oh, okay. Rule gavel. There you go. Uh, the Red Sox did something interesting today. They designated Hanley Ramirez for assignment. Are we shocked by this, Seth? I know. Um. Yes. You had a lot to I, say about was, this off air. Yeah, to me. I was. I was pretty surprised by it. I, I think that it was something that you didn't necessarily see coming, uh, considering he can still be such a dangerous bat, and he was their best player in the playoffs last year when they played in the ALDS against the Astros. Uh, on the other hand, and and here's the thing that I think is the the fishy part of it. He had a vesting option, which means that if he reached a benchmark, he was going to get $22 million next year. That benchmark was 497 plate appearances because of of numbers he put up last year. He was already at 195, which means he was going to get that number, right? He was was going to blow past that number. He he only needed to get 300 more plate appearances over the course of the year, and then they were going to have to pay him $22 million next year. So... They used that, I would imagine, in addition to he's had a rough month of May and said, all right, we're, well, done, we're done here. And they already owe him $15 million left for this year, right, too. which they still have to pay him. Which they still have but to they, pay him, but now But they, they have gotten off the hook for the 22 next year. And, and I think that ultimately when you look at it, that's the biggest thing here. They wanted to find a way to get off the hook for that $22 million. And when you combine their roster crunch, their number crunch, with Dustin Pedroia coming back today from the disabled list with the fact that that option was absolutely going to vest and that he had a, a really bad month of May after a hot start, it made the decision, I, I guess, relatively easy. Is it fair to speculate when we see a star designated for assignment or, or maybe a big name designated for assignment like Matt Harvey, is it fair to speculate slash assume that maybe he was a little bit of a problem in the clubhouse too? I think so, but I don't think this is the case here. Like, if you read the stuff coming out of Boston, it it seems like he was a a good force in, in the locker room, which surprised me because you look at Hanley Ramirez and he's, he's always been an interesting personality. Case, right. But if me. that's the case, then 
why not hang on to him until he gets closer to those plate appearances? Like, why do it now, I guess, is what I'm, I'm asking. I don't well because you had to clear a roster spot. Yeah, they had to bring Dustin. You had Pedroia to clear a back. roster spot to bring up Dustin Pedroia today. So send down a middle reliever. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm just saying no, there's no, ways around it. You fair. don't have to get rid of a, a guy who can contribute. And I realize he's off to a fast start. And everything you said is right on the money. I'm just saying when you see a guy designated for assignment, especially this early in the season, a, a big name like that, I just wonder if there's more to it. I guess is why I'm throwing it out there. I wonder if. If, if there, there is something some going on, you know, if there's some friction in the clubhouse or, or it, friction with the new manager, or what I, I don't know. Yeah. I'm just I'm, I'm I just kind of wonder because that was a big part of the Matt Harvey thing. Obviously, he was dreadful, but the way that it played out and the way it was, we're thinking about sending you to the minors. No, you're not. And there, I mean, there was obviously exactly. friction. Then, there was we're thinking about putting you in the bullpen. No, you're not. No, you're not. And it's right. like, there okay, was there like, was friction. It was he was a problem, you know, and had been a problem in that clubhouse. I just again, I just wonder if that if there's Part of it that we don't know. It gave me hope as a Yankee fan that if uh, if the Red Sox can designate Hanley for assignment, the Yankees can designate Jacoby Ellsbury for assignment and just pay him to go. Away. I just wait until he's not on this <laughs> yeah, roster. You know, it's, it's funny because he's owed just way too much money, right? And and I think that anybody would would admit that. But like, I don't even care about that part because you're you're twenty million under the cat under the the tax line with him on your roster. But, like, when, if, I'm not even going to say when, if he gets healthy, I want his roster spot. Yeah, give it to Clint like, Frazier. Like, I don't, like, or, or don't give it to anybody and keep the guys who you have now. Oh, that too, so, but. Like, I, that's my problem with Jacoby Ellsbury. It's not that, it's not that he's owed all this money. Like, whatever. You, you figure out the financials, and, and the Red Sox are paying out $45 million this year to players who are not going to play for them because yeah. they, they paid Pablo Sandoval, now Hanley, and, and Rusty Castillo, who they gave $75 million to, and he's never played for Boston. Uh, you know, and, and so, sure, you eat the money, whatever. But I, I would like that roster spot back. So if they could please? figure that out with Jacoby Ellsbury, that back? would be nice. Yeah, no, that would be nice. Um, so we got Boston and Cleveland tonight. LeBron up against elimination. But last night, late in the game, Chris Paul injured his right hamstring, claiming he'll be all right for the next game in game six. Um, Not going to play game six, by the way. Wait, yeah, he's been ruled right. out officially for game six. Um, but ready for game probably seven is what won't you even, Probably won't even take the trip. No, to yeah. Golden State. He'll That's probably just stay one, in Houston. One of the interesting things is, because you mentioned this, I saw that he was going to go to Oakland. which it doesn't which make seems, any sense. Seems unnecessary to me, right? You don't You're, want to spend four hours on a plane yeah. with a hurt hamstring. I, I don't think that, that 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 surprised me. That that was one of those things that I, I was looking at, and I was like, that doesn't seem to make too much sense. Can't get up and move and stretch it out for four hours, and you're going to make him go back and forth. Yeah. I get there's a reason to do it. You want to be with your teammates, but I don't know. So Felt inevitably, weird. we can all agree that we're looking at a Game 7 in this series. I think so. We're looking at Game 7 in both. I think we were I, I anyway. I firmly believe. I think we were looking at Game 7 anyway, by the way. I, I think that the Rockets, I think the Warriors would have gotten Game 6 on their home floor. I think we're getting a Game 7 in both, and I would not be shocked at all if the road team won both. I wouldn't either. And, you know, we've been going back and forth on this Celtic series, and I, I think that what I've resolved in my head is I know that the smart pick is to take Boston because they're they're up 3-2 and they've looked so good at home. But as you and I talked about yesterday, Seth, what, what was the thing you brought up? I'm not going to – who said I'm, I'm not, not going to be Brian the first person? Brian Windhorst. Brian Windhorst. Like, I'm not going to be the first to bet he, against LeBron. I'll bet against LeBron at some point, but I'm not going to be the first idiot I, to do it. I love that line, and I think I'm going to say the same thing. They're going to win game six, and then it's a winner-take-all, one game to decide who goes to the NBA Finals. <laughs> I 
I don't I'm know not if I, betting against him. I was going to say, I don't know if I'm going to pick the Cavs, but I'm I'm not going to pick the Celtics. <laughs> right? Gold, Golden State, by the way. Golden State, if you're curious, a 12-point favorite tomorrow night in yeah. Game 6. Especially with no CP3. They were going to win that game anyway, I think. I do, and, too. And maybe comfortably, uh, especially without Chris Paul. Uh, I think they're going to win by a lot. And the Rockets... Without Chris Paul, they may pack it in early. Like if you know, give it, give it your best try. Give it the old college try. The first try. That's what I was gonna say. If it's fifteen and you're in the third quarter, yeah, you, just, you might just pack it in. Right. Just sit. Just stop. We're gonna be seeing a lot of. Uh, I don't even know. They haven't gone. They haven't gone further than seven guys. I can't even name the. I can't even name the twelfth guy on their bench. Like, are we gonna see a lot of Joe Johnson in this game tomorrow yeah. night? What's LeBron got to do? Tonight, everything. LeBron, I mean, I mean, well, how many points do you think he goes I, for? T- All of them. Tonight, they're in Cleveland, and for some reason, when they're in Cleveland, the role players make shots. I mean, I I know it's about a comfort comfort level, but I mean, my God, when they're in Cleveland, J.R. Yeah. Smith is an All Star, and you know, Kevin Love scores, and I mean, they they get contributions from what? from everyone. It seems like when they're in Cleveland, what are we talking about for a game seven? Because we're not going to have a show until next Tuesday, so we'll be able to talk about these games after the fact. But what are we talking about for a game seven? What does he need to do if, if this go, does go seven and and they go back to Boston? What does he need to do to win that game? It's not even he just what 50. he needs to do. It's right. what, what I expect him to do. And I'm not even joking when I say this. I expect 40-plus and a triple-double. And I'm not even— like I'm not even— I, yeah, would, I, not, I wouldn't even be surprised I would not to be see surprised. that. Reasonable. That speaks to his just how good he is. Um, so I'm not going to pick Cleveland, but I'm not going to bet against LeBron. I'm not going to say I'm not going to say Cleveland's going to lose. I'm not going to say they're going to win. Let's leave it. at I'm that. not going to pick Cleveland, but I'm definitely not picking Boston. Right? Does that make sense? <laughs> yes. Um, and and yes, push comes to shove. You're asking me to make. I think both road teams will win Game Seven. Let's take our final timeout. Wrap up the show right after this.